Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Including here in the States, it was really uh, scary waking up this morning to the news coming out of New York as well. I know that I, I have my sister lives there, so I definitely quickly texted her to make sure she was okay. Thankfully, she was at work because she does live in Brooklyn. So she takes that sub, uh, the subway from Brooklyn into the city every day. Does she take that one? Because, you know, there's so yeah, many different subways. Who knows? But you know, but you just have that moment. Just the check right? in. Yeah, you Where you're know. like, okay, is there anyone I know that could be impacted by this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I that's that's something. I have friends that live there. I was just in New York. Mm. Um, and so to think there's so much. Um, there's, yeah, it's just it, waking up this morning and seeing that and seeing how it happened and seeing the videos and yeah. seeing the people that were hurt and seeing the the smoke. There's just so many layers and elements to this that really is just like what? When you start to get comfortable, it kind of life reminds you, you got to be, you know, aware of your surroundings and really, you know, crappy things can happen, unfortunately. See, the vigilance and then also yeah. on the other side of it, just being in gratitude for every single day and every moment because yeah you just don't know what's going to happen unfortunately but we will be talking more about that we have details around the shooting that happened in New York this morning with the Washington Post who's actually on the ground there one of the reporters in 15 minutes also on the show Lambda Legal is joining us next hour to talk about the over dozen states proposing so-called don't say gay bills now it's not just Florida and a new study around mushrooms and depression we need some of that to make us all feel better after the world we live in, right? We're helping you out at 4.39 p.m. Pacific, 7.39 p.m. Eastern. First, though, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Again, uh, the shooting that happened today around 8.30 a.m. Eastern at the 36th Street Station in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. An FDNY spokesperson says 16 people are hospitalized, including five people in critical condition and 10 people suffering from gunshot wounds. Police are searching for the suspect and local schools have activated a shelter-in-place order, according to a spokesperson for the Education Department. And here is New York Governor Kathy Hochul. No more mass shootings. No more disrupting lives. No more creating heartbreak for people just trying to live their lives as normal New Yorkers. It has to end and it ends now. And we are sick and tired of reading headlines about crime, whether they're mass shootings or the loss of a teenage girl or a 13-year-old. It has to stop. I'm committing the full resources of our state to fight this surge of crime this insanity that is seizing our city because we want to get back to normal. 
Yeah, really unfortunate, including a day after President Biden was talking about gun reform as well. Now, let's move on to TikTok. And the Human Rights Campaign is talking about their TikTok account that was suspended for two days after it posted in support of another TikTok user's pro-LGBTQ plus video. So the organization wrote on Twitter explaining it had been suspended for a couple of days after it commented on a video protesting Florida's Don't Say Gay law. The video in question showed a teenager driving past a sign welcoming people to the state while, while they yelled gay. Well, it seems like TikTok was not into that and suspended the account as if it was bullying, trolling against something on the platform. Who knows, but they spoke out about it. And finally, very sad news as comedian and actor Gilbert Gottfried, of course we know him um, for his very unique voice, has passed away at 67. His family posted on his social media that he died after a long illness. And also, his family told the Washington Post that it was from muscular dystrophy, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News, Ryan. All right. So, let's talk some news ET report. You know, I always like to do a little bit bit different uh, when it comes to some of the things that we like to cover in our T-Report. So, Rachel Maddow, she returned to her nightly MSNBC program Monday after being on hiatus since early February. But uh, there was an announcement that is kind of changing the structure of MSNBC. It's time for your T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So, guess what? She's only going to be doing one show a week now. Good on her. I mean... I mean she's just like... I don't know if I want to do this anymore. <laughs> well, look, starting May 2nd, the Rachel Maddow Show will be weekly on Monday nights. Uh, Maddow took a break from the show to give herself a, quote, reset and to work on other MSNBC projects, including a movie version of her Bagman podcast and book. Uh, reports of Maddow scaling back her schedule have been made ever since she signed a multi-year deal with MSNBC and NBC Universal, allowing her a broader range of projects. The new contract keeps her at the company through 2024. She said, I do still have all these other things, um, all these other irons in the fire, all these other things I'm working on that I want to bring to fruition. None of them are fast. All of them take a long time. And I'm still working on all of them. I mean, I kind of love watching her some nights. And so it is weird to only know she's only going to be on Monday nights now. It's kind of like a podcast, I guess. Yeah. But on TV. I, I'm surprised Monday is not like the end of the week. Like, well, we, Monday you know? is still a prime time. You know, like Monday night football. Sunday no, Monday no, Night Football. Monday, but that's because there's an actual game happening. <laughs> it's not like, imagine if football happens well, throughout to, the week, and then you nerds, talked about the football game on Monday. Nerds, that may be a, a, a winning moment for her. Um, well, either way. Yeah, she's doing what she's got to do. Listen. I know. I'm pretty excited for her. That's great. Um, but actually, next T-Report, we're talking about Rihanna talking about Fully. She's on the new cover of Vogue's May cover. And mm. uh, she's talking about her baby. She's talking about postpartum depression. She's talking about all the things that honestly makes her feel like, yeah, she's like every other mom just trying to figure out how she's going to take care of a whole human baby. Rihanna, just like all of us. Just like everyone else. (laughs) That is your Deep Report. We got more coming up next hour. Okay, after this, what we know about the shooting that happened in New York this morning. The Washington Post joins us, uh, a reporter on the ground next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Jill and I, my wife Jill and I are praying for those that are injured and uh, all those touched by that trauma. And we're grateful for all the first responders who jumped into action, including civilians. Civilians who didn't hesitate to help their fellow passengers and try to shield them. My team has been in touch with Mayor Adams and New York's police commissioner, 
and the Department of Justice and the FBI are working closely with the NYPD on the ground. We're going to continue to stay in close contact with New York authorities and as we learn more about the situation over the coming hours and days. And uh, something could have broken between now and the last hour. I haven't heard the news. I haven't spoken to any of my staff. But we're not letting up on it until we find out and we find the, the perpetrator. Yeah, that was President Biden responding to the shooting that happened this morning at a, a Brooklyn on a Brooklyn subway in New York that left 29 injured. And as he referenced, police are still searching for a suspect. Joining us right now is national reporter at The Washington Post, Kim Belware. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So tell us exactly uh, what happened. What do we know? So we have confirmed kind of the basic details of what unfolded this morning. It happened during rush hour at the 39th Street subway. I'm sorry, the 36th Street subway in Sunset Park in Brooklyn. This is a really heavily immigrant neighborhood, a really diverse area of Brooklyn. And people were going about their business. And around 830, the um, fire and police get 911 calls. It's really smoky in there when first responders arrive. And people describe a lot of chaos and confusion. They heard this. They saw the smoke and they saw the um, the confusion as people run, were running, heard shots fired. Um, several people who were injured, luckily, none of them have uh, life-threatening injuries, but it's a range of people who suffered gunshot wounds or were injured from smoke inhalation, uh, shrapnel, things like that. So now the investigation is turning to the suspect. Police have not found him yet, but in just the past few minutes, they do think they found a vehicle connected to this person. And there's more questions coming now, like why certain surveillance cameras weren't working and what the motive for this could be. Well, yeah, that was my next question. Is this being investigated as an act of terrorism? Um, Because it does seem like uh, the shooter had on a gas mask and uh, was kind of prepared to do this. Yeah, and that was, uh, you know, one one area where um, New York Mayor Eric Adams kind of, you know, went back and forth on a little bit. You know, federal officials that our reporters talked to said that they weren't um, looking at this as an act of terrorism. And uh, New York's police commissioner said the same thing. At the same time, Governor Adams said it's too early to know what the motive is. So officials are kind of leaning away from uh, viewing this as, a, you know, potential a terrorist link, but at the same time, they admit they don't know what caused it. And what is now the response locally? Is there anything that's going to be done at this point? Well, in talking to a lot of the locals in the neighborhood, you know, for some of these people, they went through 9-11. The scene was kind of evocative of that. Mm-hmm. People running in terror away from the subway, people dirty, people bloody. So several people that um, my colleagues on the ground spoke to mentioned that. And they also mentioned, you know, uh, kind of this growing unease, this growing fear, um, not only with uh, a perception of rising crime and violence in the city, but with the subway in particular, you know, we've heard so many incidents of, uh, you know, kind of bad behavior during the pandemic, but also, you know, incidents of deadly violence. It was just in January that Michelle Wu, um, an Asian American woman, was pushed in front of the subway and killed. So there were several New Yorkers who were just really um, feeling very tense and, and commenting on the sense of unease that they feel when it comes to safety in their city. Well, I know that unease isn't going anywhere because if they're, we're finding out that the surveillance cameras weren't even working at that moment, how is the mayor responding to that? Because it does now seem like, oh, the surveillance isn't keeping anyone 
Surveilled? Is that the word? Surveilled. Watched. <laughs> you know, oh, I think that is going to be that is going to be. I think a really uh, rich area to mine in the couple next couple days. I'm certainly going to be paying attention to that yeah. because uh, Mayor Adams, who is a former police officer, you know, he's really um, leaned in hard about the need to beef up police presence. And at the same time, he is likely to face questions of what does that increased police presence achieve because something like this happened? Or if we're increasing spending or we're increasing the surveillance network, if these cameras aren't even working, um, you know, residents of New York are going to want to know why. Most definitely. All right. So is there anything else that's coming up next? I guess we're waiting to figure out if they'll find a suspect. And of course, around the security measures here that weren't in place. Uh, Anything else that we need to know? Um, mostly for the kids of New York in the area who were affected with lockdowns. Their day went by pretty much as normal. It seems like everybody in the neighborhood is safe. Obviously, there are people who live near the scene who still feel a little bit of unease until the suspect is caught. But um, everybody is kind of trying to, uh, you know, get those questions answered and, and uh, kind of move on to the next day. Well, real quick, actually, before we wrap up, I, since the cameras didn't d- don't work, how were they able to kind of even see if there the 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 guy that actually or the person that did this? I, were they able to find a witness or like were they using videos because there's so much video circulating on social media? Are they now using those videos in terms to help with this investigation? Yeah, it sounds like there's going to be uh, a lot of combing through. Uh, there were photographers. There was even a New York Times photo editor who happened to be, I think, in the station at the time. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, authorities are going to be looking through uh, information that people have on the scene. Um, some transit workers, though, you know, they were saying, they, you know, there was the eyewitness descriptions of who they thought was the subject. But they're also worried that, you know, this person might have just disappeared uh, into the subway. So, um, you know, kind of how far that description goes and helping people uh, identify this individual kind of remains to be seen. Okay, well, that was national reporter for The Washington Post, Kim Bellware. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Next up, we've also got some breaking news around Roe v. Wade in Oklahoma and a bill that was just signed to date by the governor after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt today signed a bill that makes performing an abortion in the state illegal and punishable up to 10 years in prison. Absolutely ridiculous. Yes. And joining us right now from The Washington Post is Alice Lee, who's a video reporter there and who's been covering uh, this story leading up to the governor's signature today. Thank you, Alice, for being with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Now, as I mentioned, you covered the story and documented some of the last days of abortion access. How worried are doctors and citizens? Oh, well, you know, I was in Oklahoma City at the Planned Parenthood just a couple of weeks ago, and this was definitely top of mind for the doctor, for the staff there, and for some of the patients that I spoke to as well. Um, I think that, especially in Oklahoma, they were incredibly aware of abortion access being potentially stripped from Oklahoma, watching what happened in Texas. Um, And with uh, SB 612 being signed by the governor today, I think that This is something that a lot of abortion rights activists knew was coming. They were dreading it, but they knew it was a long time coming. Yeah, and I think with that, them knowing in the back of their mind that this was a long time coming, how did how mm. does like these doc- how did the doctors kind of prepare the patients to find out of state care if that if they need it? Like how how does that now work with connecting the dots? Did we see that when you were covering it in the moment? 
Yeah, it's that's a really good question. So one of the abortion uh, doctors that I spoke to, um, you know, she said that they it was really difficult to schedule out appointments, even just a week or two weeks out in advance, not knowing when or if uh, a bill would be passed and signed. Um, and so I think that that was really stressful. And, you know, they, they, they just recommended when patients would call, they would ask them how far along they were, and they would recommend, you know, looking at other states um, and making appointments at other states because they just didn't know, right? They didn't know if they would be able to perform um, uh, surgery or medical abortion um, when the patients would get to Oklahoma. And so mm. they had to uh, really just hedge that a little bit and just recommend for people to look to New Mexico or Kansas or, or even Illinois, um, just any state where they knew abortion access was still going to be available. So in this case, when something like this happens and we're seeing it happen more and more, what does an organization like Planned Parenthood do? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think that um, some of the people that I spoke to, um, they're keeping track of all of these different bills that are being proposed in state legislators uh, and state legislatures. And so they are um, keeping track of where abortion access is most likely going to be stripped. And they're trying to move resources to neighboring states where they know that patients will have to go to. Um, So, you know, when uh, Texas past SB8, they had to move a lot of resources to Oklahoma because they knew that those patients in Texas would cross the border because Oklahoma was the next state over. And so they they anticipated the surge of patients that would come over. Well, now that this bill has passed in Oklahoma, I think what we're going to see are resources being diverted towards states like Kansas, towards states like New Mexico. Um, and, and, you know, they're having to do this uh, very quickly and very much in real time and in response to what's happening. Yeah, and if you're just now joining us, we're talking to Alice Lee, video reporter from The Washington Post. And I think now what comes to my mind, especially if we start to have this conversation about even from a federal level of Roe Ro, Ro v. Wade being overturned and what this could really mean, especially specifically here in Oklahoma, are doctors worried about patients who don't have, are, it's not accessible for them to go out of state? Are they worried about a a possible uptick of, you know, abortions that uh, could happen in an unsafe way, right? Not performed by a doctor in in ways that we saw historically them happening, whether it's a mother doing it to herself or anything like that. Are Are doctors worried about an uptick of like the patient taking it into their own hands? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is definitely a concern that I've heard from doctors that I've spoken to, from abortion rights activists that I've spoken to. They're really concerned about what this access is going to look like. And, you know, I actually spoke to the executive director of Oklahoma ACLU, and she made the really good point that, you know, it's not just that this will impact everyone equally, right? People with means will always find a way to get abortion access, whether it is flying out of state, being driven out of state, having family to stay with, having the money to pay for all of that travel and logistics that is involved with having to to leave to another state to seek out that abortion care. But the people who will be disproportionately impacted are patients who are low income, who are likely um, patients of color, people who just don't have that financial backing um, to really do that. Um, And so there is a concern shared amongst uh, people within the abortion rights activist world and then amongst doctors that people might take it into their own hands and do unsafe 
procedures or take medication that isn't recommended. And so that, that's definitely something that I've been hearing um, just with the people that I've been speaking to. Wow. All right. And, I, and then also, at what point does it hit the Supreme Court, right? The more these, got, these cases get brought up, the more likely it does do that. And we know where that might land. Well, thank you again, Alice Lee, for your reporting about this and for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Alice Lee, again, is a video reporter at The Washington Post. Next up, a disturbing viral video shot on a JetBlue flight that makes us all wonder, what would we have done in that situation? Okay, we go there next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Imagine being on a flight for six hours that was supposed to be three hours. Well, this happened to a JetBlue flight recently, and there's a video that is being shared everywhere on social media of the passengers freaking out. They want to get off the plane because they tried to land at JFK. They're going from Cancun to JFK. They tried to land at JFK like four times. Yeah. Didn't happen because of weather. And they're stuck in Newark. But if you're in California, it's like being stuck in Burbank and you, you know when you're supposed to go to LAX. At that point, you're like, just get me off the plane. <laughs> okay, so here's a little clip of what went down. Officer, my kids are panicking. People are sick back there. We gotta get off this plane. We don't wanna be on this plane. It's yeah, dangerous. We tried to land four times already. No, I, I, it's dangerous. We're scared up. to fly. We wanna get off. Take me to jail. Please care. take I don't wanna go to jail, but it's not right. We're six hours, it's a three-hour flight. It's not your fault, it's not their fault. We just wanna get off. That's a New Yorker. You know, you know, he could have gone much, uh, much angrier. I felt yeah. like he actually that was the first time in a long time I've seen someone in one of these videos that actually is you could see he's angry and for good reason but he's actually being reasonable right or he's not being yeah. a total a-hole about well, it i mean my thing is when i flew from uh when i was just uh, flying in the air to go to like new york there was like there was a moment or even coming home i believe it was there was a moment where i was a little nervous i was like now hold on why is all this turbulence happening and, and the shaking of the plane and i think when you have these moments when you're in air people freak out like that this is a moment and and i feel like if you, if uh, airlines, they're always, we're, I think we've been seeing a lot of uptick of violence against like um, airline workers. Yeah. And, and I, I, that is not right at all. But I do think in the, in the terms of like when it comes to like people's lives and the scariness that comes with being a, in, in that moment. Just let the people off. Figure out a way to get them back into because they. it's not like the flight attendants weren't communicating or the pilots weren't communicating well, with the yeah. people at the air like at the air like that Airport, just makes yeah. no sense the problem is is a lot of times they have nothing to do with anything they're just there they're kind of like babysitters you know like no, they it's, don't, it's like you, you say to my the babysitter if i'm a kid and you're like i want to do this why is why can't i do all this and you're like well i'm not the one making decisions talk to your parents well right? and my thing is like there has to be a better plan of action because I don't. It clearly seems like that whatever the flight they were going on, well, there, there was some crazy stuff yeah. going on on that flight. JetBlue did speak out saying, without proper customs processing available for the flight at Newark, the aircraft remained on the ground for 60 minutes. Once the weather cleared, departed again for JFK, where it safely landed. After the fifth time, it was the fifth time that, that it see, landed. Nah. So you I know. would have opened that emergency door and got up out of there so quick. <laughs> 
you know? <laughs> and guess what they got in return? For, do, for dealing with this whole experience. $50 in flight credits See, for the inconvenience. See, that is so trifling. Come on. JetBlue, yeah, screw you. Give someone a, a free flight. One flight. I want one free flight. Okay, well, next up on the show, we've got What's Trending This Hour, Why Texas Child Welfare Workers Are Quitting, and it has to do with trans families. That and more next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, we're back, and more music coming up right here on Channel Q, but right now we've got more show. Unfortunately, more than a dozen states have proposed the so-called Don't Say Gay Bill after Florida. Lambda Legal joins us to tell us more in 30 minutes. And next hour, we talk more about a new study that reveals how shrooms can help with depression. We've got someone from MAPS, the organization, joining us for that. Should be a really interesting conversation. Right now, let's get into some What's Trending This Hour. A group of Texas Department of Family and Protective Services investigators have resigned after being ordered by Governor Greg Abbott to investigate the families of trans children who have access to gender-affirming health care. Travis County DFPS Supervisor Randa Mulanax made the decision to resign, but not before testifying on behalf of the ACLU, saying, I understood that things were going to get worse with me leaving. I'm leaving cases behind that have been reassigned two or three times, bounced around from supervisor to supervisor, but do I trade in my ethics and my morality? Good on them. At the same time, it then worries me for who's going to be overseeing these cases if they are being asked to do this already, right? At least they were inside and knowing what was happening. You know, like, I almost wish they stayed there to do their own covert thing, make the decisions that needed to be made, the be right like ones. secret spies. Yeah, and then just not follow his orders. Yeah. And now the, those other people will be hired that will put these trans families at risk, yeah. unfortunately. Now, but I wonder, I mean, what? could that inherently backfire on them if they did something like that? I'm like, sure, I'm sure there was a reason why like? they left because they couldn't do something like that. Yeah. Now, consumer prices rose by 8.5% from a year ago, the fastest annual gain since December 1981, and a one-tenth of a percentage point above the estimate. We've seen surging food, energy, and shelter costs, and that helped account for the gain. Unfortunately, though, real worker earnings fell by another 0.8% during the month as the cost of living outpaced otherwise strong pay gains. So yeah, cost... We're not we're not making money, but our cost of living is increasing. That's great. And moving on to Senator Ted Cruz, who visited Yale, prompting mixed reactions and uh, interesting questions. My name is Evan. Um, assuming that would end global hunger, would you fillet another man? Dare. <laughs> <laughs> So, dare I ask him to repeat? Well, actually, so I, I do have an answer to this. All right, I, I actually think it is better that the Yaley answer this. <laughs> you know, there was a line in there was a line in American Psycho about that Yale thing. I think that's what our questioner is alluding to. Uh, like a like a typical left wing undergraduate, you are engaging in consequentialist ethics. You are attempting to justify flagrantly immoral behavior to achieve a good end. And, and I tell you, my friend, the ends do not justify the means. Absolutely. Absolutely not. I, I am curious with that young fellow, if it would solve world hunger, would you vote for Donald Trump? I mean, troll versus troll there. That was conservative commentator Michael Knowles. And then Senator Ted Cruz declined to answer. That guy... 
is quick. He's quick um, on his feet. That I Mr. mean, not Knowles. really. That's kind of a low-hanging fruit. Of course he would ask that back, right? Yeah. You know? um, but honestly, I, I like to... Um, <laughs> I wonder why he passed the question on to the commentator. Yeah, that's because well, that's what you do. You throw it back. Not necessarily. L- last thought about it. Oh, uh, last month, a group of students protested a discussion featuring conservatives' Christian speaker who has been described as anti-LGBTQ. The university says the students did not vo- violate its free speech policy. Cruz was one of the many prominent conservatives at the time who actually called for Yale to punish the student protesters. And he addressed the protest also saying, instead of doing what one would imagine Yale lawyers would be capable capable of doing, which is presenting arguments and reason, they instead try to exercise a heckler's veto. Oh, my lordy. Okay. Yeah, just like really clear gaslighting, like cerebral gla- gaslighting. Anyway, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so let's talk Riri. Bad gal Riri. Uh, Rihanna, or Rihanna, which is actually her name, uh, may give birth at any moment, and she's going to be wearing high fashion to the end. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So if you did not know, Rihanna is Vogue's May cover star, and she is talking everything from her first child, of course, her pregnancy style, her boyfriend, ASAP Rocky, and uh, she actually talked about this um, moment where, um, if you didn't know, they went on a cross-country road trip, uh, literally from Los Angeles to New York. And she said she went and bought a janky grill from, like, Walmart. And <laughs> she said, I still have it, too. It works like nobody's business. They drove a tour bus, and I guess they even stopped at gas stations to buy tie-dye T-shirts. And that was in the summer of 2020. This is how they got close. She said, I love the simple things, but also the grand adventures. There's no uh, pretentious, my brand, your brand BS. It's just us living. I just feel like I can do any part of life by his side. Aww. And she even went to talk about her maternity style, because obviously she has been slaying it. She said, when I found out I was pregnant, I thought to myself, there's no way I'm going to sh- uh, go shopping in no maternity aisle. She said, I'm sorry. It's too much fun to get dressed. I'm not going to let that part disappear because my body is changing. Good on her. I can't All imagine, right. you know, Rihanna on a road trip with ASAP Rocky. Like, obviously, they... I can. You know, I, I can. But what did they put on to... Dis- did they disguise themselves? But there's just no one around, so no one notices. Yeah, when you're... I think it's, I feel like it's a road trip. So, like, you don't... Well, imagine imagine being on the road. You're on a road trip looking out next to you. Small town. At the window, you know, yeah. at, the next, uh, at the next car and seeing... Wait, is that Riri? It's a tour bus. You can't look. You can't even probably see into the window because the windows are dark. You know how tour buses, they have like the tinted windows. That's true. But like if she was at the Walmart and you were in the same aisle buying that same grill, that billionaire. What do you think about this grill? Oh, what do you think? Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it grills. Literally. Um, 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 um. Oh my god! Uh, well, that's your T report for that. I love that she's speaking out about it. Her she, the Vogue cover looks amazing. Coming up next, T report though. Kanye West says um, apparently to Kim Kardashian that he's willing to quit his job to become her full time stylist. So he's not going to do music anymore just to be around her and make. You know, be her like clothing stylist. So we're going to talk more about that. Okay. And that psychoness coming up <laughs> later.
Well, next up on the show, will Biden's latest move around student loans be enough to move the needle? The latest announcement after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Across the U.S., at least a dozen states are considering new legislation that in many ways mirrors Florida's new controversial law referred by some opponents as don't say gay. So what do we make of all of this? Well, joining us right now is Jenny Pfizer from Lambda Legal, who unfortunately has been working a lot these days and now has the time to join us right now. Thanks for being here. Yeah, great to be with you. I wish we were focused on something a little happier than this uh, yet again anti-LGBTQ onslaught in these states. It's well, overwhelming. It's yeah, terrible. It, is. it really is. I think, you know, since we haven't spoken with you in a minute, you know, I feel like we've really seen a shift when it comes to the, the in the ways the government and, and legislatures have really been trying to attack the community, specifically trans kids. And I, I wonder, checking in with you, how does it how are you handling all of this, especially on the front lines of seeing these attacks in this moment? How has your your work changed in this moment? Well, honestly, this is just a further escalation of work that we've had to do the past few years. It's gotten more and more aggressive, more and more outrageous in the number of bills, the viciousness of what they propose to do. Uh, but it it's it's just an expansion of what we've been dealing with every year the past couple of years. Some of the the focus of bills is a little bit different. So the curriculum bills, trying to shut down any positive, accurate information about LGBTQ people in schools, the the so-called don't say gay or trans bills, and to pull books out of school libraries, that's something we've seen in past years, Mm -hmm. but it's been a while. So bringing that back is infuriating. And then these proposals to use the criminal law to not just put barriers up to necessary medical care, but to propose to put parents and doctors in prison Mm -hmm. for providing care. It's a level of aggressiveness that is um, just amped up as sort of as if folks are just kind of intoxicated with a kind of abusive political power. And so when you ask, what are, what are we doing? Well, we're just having to do more and more of what we've had to do over the past few years, which is work with our allies and partners and parents and families and community leaders in these states yeah. where people just feel like they're under siege. And then in some instances, of course, we bring lawsuits like the, the case we just filed in Alabama um, just yesterday. Well, let's talk about that case in Alabama. Well, so uh, Alabama has been a really tough place um, in recent times, and they just passed, and Governor Kay Ivey just signed uh, a law um, imposing penalty, felony criminal penalties uh, for providing gender-affirming care for trans adolescents. And, and so together with the ACLU, uh, we have gone into court and the idea there is that this kind of bill tramples on a number of different constitutionally protected rights. Um, you know, we already have been in court in Texas where uh, Governor Abbott in Texas took it into his mind to um, decide that it's child abuse for parents and medical professionals to provide medically necessary care. And we've been we've been suing there and have gotten court orders 
blocking that that governor's order. And many of the the impacted issues are the same. The legal theories are different in the different states. Um, but um, in Alabama, it's a federal court case to protect the rights of the kids to receive appropriate care, the parents to take care of their kids, yeah. uh, you know, medical professionals. And, uh, you know, we're hopeful that um, that we will be able to get a court order blocking this cruel and... <laughs> you know, completely outrageous law before people are really harmed. Right. You know, it's just a time of panic for families. You know, and and that brings me to my next question in the sense of has your has land illegals and like the strategy changed and cover like helping these families because it does feel like obviously you said it, the work has expanded especially in in the ways of this it seems like they turned up the dial we've yeah. seen republicans turn up the dial here so have you had to like change your strategy on how you're helping families especially in the midst of like families like let's talk about texas and you know these families can't even really fight for themselves without putting themselves in the line of fire well, that is among the things that's very challenging about this. I mean, for for parents and medical professionals to come forward to challenge a law, there there are legal processes that we can use and we do use to protect people's uh, confidentiality. The, the legal system does allow us to do that in circumstances where uh, legal rights need to be asserted, but the people that would be doing that might be in serious risk, in, including serious risk of, you know, frankly, of, of being attacked publicly. Um, so, so we can sometimes do that to, to protect confidentiality. That's different, though, from the risks that families are facing of trying to continue to provide care that, that their young people depend on mm-hmm. or the medical providers that that um, have an ethical responsibility and a sense of professional responsibility to take care of their patients that are stuck there uh, at the risk of, of prosecution. And I, I guess what I want to say here is that we have seen this kind of intensity of political attack about abortion care for years of a greater and greater sort of frenzy about who could outdo whom with the more aggressive use of the criminal law to try to block access to reproductive health care. And to see that same kind of frenzy focus now on LGBTQ people and young people especially is both not surprising and also just infuriating because the cruelty of it is off the charts. Um, And so part of the response has to be public outrage at at politicians behaving this way. I mean, a bunch of this is their political tactics. Governor Abbott in Texas was doing this in significant part because he was facing a primary challenge from the right. Um, we see similar dynamics in Florida and a number of the other states. And in some places, it's not overtly about a primary challenge. It's just... Um, the intensity of uh, of um, targeting politics, but it it's partly a result of the climate that we're in after these years of the Trump of Trump and 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 the Trump wing of our country, with with such 
overt hostility and targeting of people. You know, no shame about what the consequences may be for the people that are being targeted and no concern for whether the things that are being said are just made up or just nonsense. So I think this is requiring a full community, full movement, all of us standing up and expressing our outrage and our dismay that elected officials would behave this way. I mean, the legal... The legal response is, is some of, you know, Lambda Legal's responsibility, and, and we're all over that. But the magnitude of the problem is pretty serious. I mean, it's not as if oh, our, yeah, our staff expanded by three times to make up for the fact that there's three times as many bills this year as there were last year. So, you know, we're having to work pretty hard, and and we have to be – can't just do – a lawsuit against every law, every bill that becomes law, because in some places it wouldn't be a sensible legal strategy to do that for sort of complicated legal reasons. So we pick the moments that make sense from our perspective to bring the lawsuits to show that there's not a good legal or factual basis for these laws and the harm they cause uh, in order to create precedent to be used in the lawsuits that would follow to block as much of this as we can. But like, make no mistake, there are going to be young people and families that really suffer as a result of this cruelty. And we will do everything we can uh, to block these, these laws. But even as we do that, the climate that's reflected, mm-hmm. the mean-spiritedness and cruelty that drives these laws, it's unfortunate. that really affects the environment. And, totally. and that causes a lot of pain, whether the law goes into effect or not. Well, uh, Jenny, thank you so much again uh, for being here. We really appreciate it. And again, hope to have you back as this continues. But I, I, yeah, we are in a unique situation. So thank you for your hard work. Well, sorry to be such a downer, but it is a call to action to all of us. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate having the, the opportunity to talk with you guys about it. Of course. That was Jenny Pizer, Law and Policy Director for Lambda Legal. Now, coming up next, the psychological cost of the silent treatment. And have we dealt with it here in the studio? We get into it after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Have you ever experienced the silent treatment? Well, what we're about to talk about about might make you rethink one doing that to someone else and what to do if if someone is doing it to you so first up and i want to get into a definition of silent treatment before we get into this because a lot of people like our definition what is your definition (laughs) well we all know it's pretty self-explanatory right Refusing, refusing to verbally communicate with another person uh but we get into the let's get into the symptoms of this, like what it actually means. What what do you think about it? What have you experienced around silent treatment? Um, I think silent treatments can really come in handy when needed to. <laughs> they say in this article that it's like a form of abuse. Well, I think silent treatments when you don't have anything nice to say, well, you that's say nothing different. at all. That's a silent treatment. You don't want to engage in the conversation and you need to like be quiet so you don't say anything that's going to like put um a, a damper or a stain on your relationship. That is a form of a silence treatment. So, and regardless yeah. of if someone wants to talk about it in the moment, sometimes you need to take a little bit of a, of a moment to like break away from well, that. Well, that's the... That's actually a bit not the silent treatment. You communicate, but if you're not communicating that, you're just yeah, like you, literally yeah, going just silent out, and just being then like that. That could be a, a symptom of having trouble communicating pain, according to experts. In this case, 
it would be, hey. And screw I, those experts I, who I, think. Like, uh, let's be honest. Experts have most definitely done a, and people that have psychologists done years have most definitely done research. silent treatments their damn they're selves. Not saying, so the just, fact that they're trying to come in like they're like are you a superhero. The psychologists? No, I'm not gaslighting them. They're <laughs> gaslighting us to act like they're perfect and they can talk about that uh, what a silent treatment is and how the psychological effects it has on people. Screw you. Let's talk about your silent treatments that you probably do in wow. your own personal, you know, relationships. I mean, I think it's uh we're all human we've all done done this i think that just because a psychologist or expert says this doesn't undermine the value of their theory oh, i can <laughs> it really can i actually it can i you're the one who wanted to talk about this and I what is it. your take I like on this. this um well silent treatments here's the thing i i think uh silent treatments are let's be honest what they are they're passive aggressive okay here's they're, here's they're to- they are real. most definitely toxic um, but sometimes people deserve it. Like, especially if somebody like, and this is what I mean. If you are having a, like, if you get into an argument, let's say with a friend or a partner or like someone you're working with or whatever, and like, you're tired of explaining things or you're tired of like, continue to have the same conversations over, then sometimes the silent treatment works because they need to figure it out their damn self on what they did wrong or how they, like, you know, what is the issue here? Sometimes it, people need that extra step to like, of, like, silence for them to sit with, like, oh, they're not talking to me for a reason. Let me play back why they're not talking to me. It now helps them figure out the issue of why they pissed you off. So... I would say go to the other side of it instead of saying, what do they need? What do you need? So instead, And I'm, what if I've already communicated that with them and, so and I'm tired of communicating What I them. would say is there's a step in between what you're saying and the silent treatment. There is the one, I've done it, I've done it, done it, peace out, right? And then there's the one of saying, Are you Hi. the expert they quoted in I'm the I'm just saying, the I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Lazar, that has a ring to it. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, so, but I would say, and and, and what I feel um, is that there is a step, and th- this is actually sometimes a step that's the hardest to take because it is uh, about communicating boundaries, and it is about saying, like, can I express what I feel without having a necessarily any sort of closure in- around it, right? Yeah. So you might say, after dealing with that annoying person, or who knows if they're annoying or not, or maybe you just don't want to deal with someone, right? And you're just like, hi, I need a moment. I will get back to you when I'm ready. But sometimes you don't have to do, I don't But that gives them at least saying, then I feel like at least you've said to them, that's a boundary. And if they decide to overset the boundary, that's not good enough for them. That's on them. But also, I think if you are going through that moment and you are being triggered and communicating even that little piece is still like... It is. It is. Um. It is. It, it is like creating more of a space where you're still feeling feeling triggered, and maybe the distance, the the silence, is allowing you to like you collect to yourself. Then you don't have to tell them even that little piece. Well, I think that, especially as, if someone uh, is, it's yeah. their fault that you're even in that space in the first place. Uh, yes, there is fault on the other person. I think in it, when triggers happen, I think that it's uh. There, there's two we people. We can't tell people how to handle their triggers. No, I know. I'm not invalidating. I'm saying that we also get to work on our reactions around things because we can't control the people. A silent, I feel like silence is the best thing. You want You it's want me to Will medicine. Smith? You, <laughs> you want know, me to Will Smith I think there's of something silent? in between the silence and the Will Smith. <laughs> You're going to extremes, baby. <laughs> so 
that's that's the thing. And I think hopefully you. So here's the thing. I think that in in typical cases, you're right. Most people would do what you're saying. Not the Will Smith part. The other part. <laughs> but. I think that as you mature, you get older, you get some support. And right? you realize silence works. And then you're able to add that one, I would say, step in between to communicate, right? And um, it doesn't mean you're having a whole conversation. It's just saying that to, to have the awareness that you are being triggered and that you need to step away. But I also don't think, I think sometimes that's what the silence treatment is telling the, uh, that person. That person, it's telling, the silence is telling that person, oh, I need they space. are in a space that they cannot ha- now handle this. And I think that is a way, when we talk about nonverbal cues, yeah, that, non, is, that yeah. is a nonverbal cue. Literally, nonverbal. And we have to respect that a silence treatment, if it's not being used in a passive-aggressive way and it's not being used as a tool to get their way, it is important to acknowledge that silence treatments, they do have a way of helping you through a situation. A research paper published in the we gotta go. group. <laughs> All right, so silent treatment experience, uh, those who experience silent treatment experience a threat to their needs of belonging, self-esteem, control, and meaningful existence. So I guess the lesson is here. Definitely do you, right? Because you got to take care of yourself. But just realize the implications of your actions on someone else as well. And what yeah. like what could happen on the other side of that. Yeah. And, and use your power for good, not evil. Hashtag get therapy. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, we are back. And coming up in 15 minutes, the new study around shrooms and depression. Could it help? Well, we've got those answers Cheers back to having us talk about the goodies. And who tried to be Kim Kardashian's stylist? Ryan's got that to you in a moment. And it's someone who is very close to her. Awkward. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. The Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors voted this week to ban official travel to the states of Florida and Texas over policies and legislation that target the treatment of trans youth and the teaching of LGBT issues in schools. Today, the board unanimously approved a motion directing the chief executive officer to suspend all travel to the two states for county business until those policies are suspended or repealed. And that was according to a video from the board's meeting. Wow, taking a stand. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy declined to throw his support behind impeaching President Biden. How about that? No more impeach Trump. It's now about impeaching President Biden. And it's a move that several of his House Republican colleagues have called for, warning against doing so for political purposes. McCarthy says that Republicans will focus on holding this administration accountable if they win the House majority in the 2022 midterms. And he left the door open to impeachment if they find that laws were broken. You know, trying to pull a pull a Democrat move (laughs) as if as if Biden's done the same thing as Trump here. He told Fox Business host Maria Bartiromo, one thing we learned the Democrats did is they used impeachment for political reason. (laughs) And so they're going to do the same. God, this is a mess. (laughs) Isn't it always, though? Now, moving on to everything happening in New York City, the shooting that happened this morning. New York City Mayor, Mayor Eric Adams has a message to New Yorkers in the wake of today's attack in Brooklyn. New York has gone through a lot uh, from the 9-11 attacks, uh, second time attack of the Trade Center, to those who wanted to commit terrorism in our city and to those who do things that want to terrorize us. We don't know what is the source of this incident yet, but I call on New Yorkers to continue to be (coughs) 
as resilient as we have often been. That was New York City Mayor Eric Adams on CNN earlier today. Now, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? You know, we have a lot to talk about with Kim Ye, um, which they are no longer Kim Ye anymore because they are divorced. But Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, Kim is revealing some things about what Kanye is planning to do with the rest of his career. It's time for the T Report. Those pop culture stories, uh, pop culture stories trending right now. So I guess in case you didn't understand or comprehend the full scope of Kanye West's infatuation with Kim K, look no further than his offer to give up his career to become her full-time stylist and this is coming from kim herself so the whole thing plays out in the upcoming premiere episode of the kardashians on hulu set to release this week kim is in her closet trying out looks for her upcoming snl gig um and basically talking to her friend about some other outfits kanye recently selected for her to wear She then drops an extremely telling line saying, Kanye wants to quit everything and dedicate his life to being my stylist. Both Kim and her friend laugh it off, but you can tell it is 100% legit because Kanye honestly loves dressing up Kim as his little Barbie doll. And it's like kind of wild because we've seen this like play out in his most recent relationships with uh, Channy Jones and Julia Fox, who he also played stylist with dressing both women almost exclusively and you know their their designer gigs and uh honestly it's isn't that strange yeah it's a form of control manipulation when you try to like really like, like I, I understand a man like wanting like to like be like oh i want to be involved but this is a entire career and this was like if she's talking about this on the kardashians on the hulu this was before they were like they were going through divorce stuff but this it was before was like where they are before she met pete well, These actually, are for the apparently SNL. not really she was they actually met. texting um the more details are coming about she uh-huh. was actually texting him before snl like they were getting to know each other before SNL. Shira has this thing where she is still confused about kim k and pete Davis, I and she doesn't get it. i like i don't i literally think about it all the time i don't know it's why very weird i mean at this point i kind of like them together i think they there's a sense of calm over them yes and um you know no, totally. we'll see what happens but uh kanye's been radio silent since uh basically um you know the instagram ban uh the the whole him dropping out of coachella where he was supposed to headline sun, uh sunday night and yeah i just don't know if he's ever going to talk about this and i just want you to know uh-huh. Kanye yeah. left $8 million on the table when he canceled Coachella. So whatever he's going through, I mean, immediate help. Come on. Like, I'm the judge, and Money that was talks. my gavel. Right. He yeah. obviously doesn't need $8 million. No, he clearly doesn't. But still, it's just like something something is happening. And obviously, we know there's a lot of mental health issues, and I don't want to make fun of that yeah. or make light of that. But there is something really going on, and I think we have to really look at it. He them. probably, they were probably going back and forth. Like, Coachella and shows like that, they have deadlines. Kanye is not a deadline person. No, Meaning, I mean, like, they dropped, he dropped it a week before Coachella. Yeah, and so I feel like they're like, okay, this is the last day. You, you, tell us your light, the lighting you need, the stage. Yeah. Like, you, you need to be there for rehearsals. And he was like, F this. I don't want to do any of this. Yeah, well, that is your tea report. Um, we got more coming up next hour. And uh, one of the stars from Stranger Things is talking about being sexualized mm. when they turned 18 and okay. before then. So we're going to talk about that coming up a little bit later in the show. All right. After this, can shrooms cure depression? Well, Ooh. one new study seems to think it might. 
And we've got those details for everyone because I know we all go through something. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Could magic mushrooms drug psilocybin lead to long-term improvements in depression symptoms? Well, one small study seems to think so. And joining us to break it all down is Dr. Regu Apasani, who's a psychologist and also the founder of the Minds Foundation. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Shira. Yeah, so this and is... Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Acknowledgement. Just here hanging out. You know. Uh, so I find, you know, this isn't the first study of its kind, but it's making news. Why is this one possibly different? Yeah, so I think it's important to actually look at the first study that was done on this because it's the same team mm. from the United Kingdom. It's, uh, you know, Dr. David Nutt and Robin Cart Harris, where they look at the effect of psilocybin from magic mushrooms against Lexapro, which is a very commonly prescribed antidepressant, right? And if anyone here has tried any antidepressants, you know that it takes a long time to work or, you know, like two thirds of people actually don't even benefit from it. So magic mushrooms are super exciting um, as a potential treatment. And what the initial study showed was actually giving two doses of magic mushrooms three weeks apart um, compared to, to Lexapro was significantly better. It had a faster onset of symptomatic relief, so people felt better faster, and it actually lasted for over a year. And uh, the recent study that you're talking about now is really cool because what they show in that is actually that people have an increase in brain integration, which means that they're starting to create new networks. And um, the best way to think about this is if someone's depressed, they have a lot of negative thinking and rumination and you can get stuck in those thought patterns, right? Like um, a lot of negative self-talk and what psilocybin and magic mushrooms do is they kind of put those thoughts on pause and they dissolve your ego and they have you look at them from a different perspective and you can kind of get rid of those thoughts. And so this new study used fMRI to actually look um, using images of your brain to see how it improves. And wow. yeah, anyway, it's just like super, it's super cool because you can like not only feel it, but you can see people's brains wow. yeah. through these scans and see that they're actually changing their network and the connections they're making well here's the thing i think obviously because this is a study when we think about how this could if this is implemented in a, like an accessible real way is it safe for like regular people to be kind of like dealing with this type of drug right <laughs> you know i because you never know like can you take too much is it like would it be prescribed like what what does that really look like if it does turn out to be like a more of an accessible thing where people don't have to use the 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 harsh prescription drugs versus like this kind of like procedure I totally guess, process yeah yeah and listen there's there's pros and cons and benefits and risks to everything right so the one thing i want to be really clear on with the study magic mushrooms any any psychedelic for that matter is they are catalysts and even in this study it's paired with psychotherapy right so it's not like they just gave you mushrooms and we're like cool you're better now it was paired with psychotherapy to work with the person so at the end of the day that's what's critical i do think that um it's going to be based on the individual there are some people where traditional antidepressants will be really really helpful for them and there are others where this is going to be the best treatment for them. So 
you know, how do we determine who's, what's going to benefit who is, is a little bit, um, you know, we don't have much of a protocol yet for that. But, yeah, it is the future. And I would say to people, if, if you are, you know, I'm just going to say it because people do experiment on their own. Um, if you are going to experiment with it, just make sure you tell your doctor or your psychiatrist or your therapist, at least so that they're aware of it and that they can make sure, you know, it won't interact with you in a negative way. That is true. I'm, hap- I'm happy that you mentioned that because it's it's really important. These uh, these drugs are very sacred, and they're also uh, definitely can be used in a therapeutic way, but in the right setting. At what point do you mm-hmm. think this will be adopted, though? There's all these studies. We obviously hear about this happening in culture, but there's still a lot of stigma around it. Yeah. So at what point do you think that adoption will happen mainstream? Yeah, Definitely. So, you know, um, MDMA is probably the first one that's going to be FDA approved for trauma. And that's hopefully going to be by the year 2023. So coming up and that'll be an FDA approval, approval of MDMA, uh, MDMA assisted psychotherapy for post-traumatic stress disorder. Following that will probably be magic mushrooms in 2025. It's estimated. Um, And so, yeah, we're kind of going down that road. And from that, you know, we'll be able to have providers working with patients and clients using it. Um, The thing that I, you didn't ask this question, but I'm going to say it because I love mushrooms. It's not just effective for depression. It's it's being shown to be effective for a lot of other things like anxiety, potentially for trauma. Um, I actually am involved now with a new study we're launching of using psilocybin for methamphetamine use uh, addiction. So it shows a lot, a lot of promise. And end of the day, you know, talk to your physician because this is the future of psychiatry. And uh, it's not to say that our medications we have now are not beneficial, but how do we look at, how do we look at the future of treatment to have accessibility for everyone? Yeah. Right? That's, that's the key. Yeah, because will yeah. we'll, uh, insurance have to pay for this? I mean, in the end, yeah, it's a privilege to be able to do it if it does cost something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. insurance, well, <laughs> and U.S. healthcare, that's a whole other thing. But, you know, MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Sciences, has a committee focused on working with insurance companies, actually, wow. to make sure that these types of treatments will be accessible. Amazing. Well, Dr. Regu, you gave us all the info we needed in a way that was really helpful to make folks understand this because sometimes we'll have people on. It gets weird when you talk about this type of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it's hard to like sometimes take this type of stuff serious because of the what the cult like culturally people think of it. Right. And so it's hard to be like, oh, this actually has some really important benefits that can really help a lot of folks. And so thanks for joining us. Let's let's just put it out there. Like Nature Medicine is the number one legitimate medical journal in the world, and that's where this was published. Now hold on, so, now you know I I love that y'all love to hug trees and stuff. No, I, but you I'm meant going Nature's to the Medicine is the actual journal. It's not like Nature's Medicine, the forest. <laughs> right? You and y'all holistic no. doctors and stuff. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. So so yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And, Thanks, Dr. Um, Ragu. We yeah. love you. You're amazing. Great. That was Dr. Ragu right. Apasani, founder of the Minds Foundation. Go checking him out everywhere. What's your social media again? It is Rapasani. R A P P A S A I. Okay. Amazing. Okay.
Next up on the show, airlines have dropped mask mandates, but now flights are getting canceled. Is there a correlation here? Should we be worried? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. News coming out according to CBS News that airlines who dropped their mask requirements are now suffering staff shortages because of COVID-19. Between that, Philly reinstated their mask mandate. We got universities in D.C. doing the same. What is going on? Dr. James Simmons is back with us to dive in. Thanks, as always, for being here. Thank you for having me. Okay, so, I mean, it just seems like this is going to happen, right? Should we be worried, or is this just par for the course? Oh, man. I mean, (laughs) honestly, this is a... I think a deeper sort of philosophical question that we have to ask ourselves individually and as a collective group, as a community of humans uh, globally, but also in the communities where we live, because, you know, it's, it's difficult to answer that question, sure, because honestly, if we were doing the things that we feel like we should be doing, when we see a rise in cases, when we see things like airlines having to cancel multiple flights in Europe, and smaller outbreaks with cases going up, things like that. In the past, we would have reacted differently. Now, we're not reacting any way at all. In fact, you know, Philadelphia is, is sort of seeming like an anomaly, and they're the, they're the ones, you know, reinstating a mask mandate. And there are, you know, public health officials are getting death threats in other cities and other places around the world for even hinting at the fact that they might want to reinstate a mask mandate. So, what I think we're looking at here, like if we just zoom out from the particulars, is a bigger question about how are we going to handle COVID literally as a species going forward? Are we going to be okay with immunocompromised yeah. people and other people who are at high risk really being able to like get sick with this thing and die with it? Are we just going to live with it and go about our lives or are we actually going to try to mitigate the damage every time there's a bump? Well, I wonder how you feel about, you know, Dr. Anthony Fauci literally saying that it is up to everyone's discretion at this point. It seems like not that we like, you know, um, the top medical professionals that are overseeing this, it doesn't feel like they've given up, but it does feel like at this point they are putting now the power in everyone else's hands saying, well, guess what? If you are going to take it serious, that's your decision at this point. And I just, does that leave us, especially the people who are taking it seriously, does that just leave us out there hanging dry? Uh, Because, you know, there is a, the country's divided on what we should really be doing? I, I think, unfortunately, it kind of does. You know, I, I, get, I get asked a lot about what I think about, you know, what we should do about COVID and I, what we should do and then being a pragmatist, being a realist, and what is actually going to happen are so very, very different. It, it, it's a complicated and nuanced conversation, and I feel like Fauci is definitely not throwing in the towel He's probably a little bit frustrated, but he probably also is, you know, I don't know the man, so I guess I'm not really speaking for him. But my guess would be that he and other public health officials are saying, like, listen, we know that we can never go back to where we were before. There is not a politician. There is not an official on Earth, literally, who will say, yes, let's lock down again. Yes, let's everyone put masks back on and let's absolutely require vaccines everywhere we go unless you're in China. And they're a completely different story. So knowing that that is our reality, the next best thing is let's stay on top of the case numbers, ultimately the lagging indicators of hospitalizations and deaths, right? We really want to watch those because those are the most important, of course. And then 
yeah, everybody else, good luck. Here's the best tools and resources until we find better vaccines. We're going to have to keep boosting you every six months or so until we find better therapeutics, like wear your N95 mask, don't be indoors with crowds, like good luck. And, <laughs> and it, yeah. it seems really weird to sort of think that way, Yeah. particularly thinking about the conversations that we all had even just a year ago. But ultimately, I feel like that's the reality we're living in. And are you seeing at where you work at the hospital that the symptoms are getting better at least? So that's why like this will be something that continues to be around, just not as bad. We're, we're not seeing um, a, a big, I mean, a very, very small uptick in visits to the ER, but those patients are not needing to be admitted to the hospital. It is absolutely nothing like it was in LA County, January of 2021, right? We're, we're nowhere close to that. We're nowhere close to even where we were in January of 2022 with Omicron. What's really great to see is that in certain pockets where we do have cases rising in other like parts of Europe and, and other places, we actually still see either a stabilization or right. a downtrend even of hospitalization, which is really, really interesting. It's not following a very specific pattern. So I think anyone who's telling you, yes, that's exactly what's going to happen here in the United States is yeah. lying to you because none of us know. But it is encouraging to see that we're not seeing massive jumps in hospitalizations or deaths. Well, I mean, it, just because we don't know how this thing can turn out and there could be a surge literally next week, knock on wood, our medical professionals, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, are it feels like are there are they enough? Are are they at their wit's end with everything? How how do they feel like how do you feel about moving forward, especially if there is another surge? I can't tell you how many times, in fact, just this morning at the hospital, I had a conversation with uh, a nurse who was like, if this turns into another surge, I'm out. Yeah. She's like, I'm not, I'm quitting my job. I don't, I'm, I don't even care that I don't have another job. I, I mean, it, it is a fully, it is a completely different conversation we could talk about for a week about how a broken our healthcare system is and all COVID did was expose what a lot of us knew already. And B, we are all so tired and and so overwhelmed and so we're still stretched thin with horrible staffing ratios. I mean, some hospitals in LA County are reporting nurses are taking twelve taking care of twelve patients at a time, which is oh, completely wow. unsafe. Uh, it, it's horrible, and all that is fallout from COVID that just continues to happen. And so we're busting our butts in the hospital, and then. You know, we have people who are like, oh, you know, why would I get a third dose if the first two doses didn't work? Why would I get a third dose? Like, why do I even need another one? And and it's almost like we're just begging people, please, like, just understand the science of this. It's still, <laughs> believe it or not, a new virus. Yeah. These vaccines seem to only work for about six to nine months at a time. And until we get better tools, better therapeutics, this is what we got. And so... Don't just be two and done or even three and done for a lot of people. I'm, yeah. My guess is we're yeah. all going to be needing our fourths and fifths and whatever. Well, antibodies worked for me because uh, since I got it and then I got the booster, I've been good. So I'm happy about that. Are you bragging? Yeah, meaning I've been good. I'm happy because I could have. Yeah, there's been people around me that I've discovered got it and I was the only one that didn't. Well, be like me and don't get it at all. There you go. We got an anomaly here. I mean, I, the winner I is Ryan. Love this, Ryan. You're, you're like the only person in LA County. Period. Like and it's going to keep going, going. Okay. Well, <laughs> Dr. James Simmons, thanks again. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks. Dr. James is at Ask the NP on social media. Next up, Coachella's coming out and how these folks are going to be making $10,000 for the weekend.
but it comes at a cost next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coachella is coming up this weekend. And this New York Post article highlights how influencers... You didn't even ask me if I was excited I was about, about to get into it. No, you weren't. I wanted to first highlight what we were talking about. You influencers making $10,000 uh, for posting about Coachella without even going to Coachella. So are you excited, Ryan? Or are you even going? Are you, what are you doing? Are you getting paid $10,000 to be there? Well, if you must know, no. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I did get invited to a few parties out there. Yeah. Um, but one, like, brand, and this is so stupid. This is this is what goes into, like, this type of job. They want me to, they wanted me just to be able to attend. They wanted me to, like, post, like, 16 times. 16? 16 like? times. Eight on my stories, eight in my feed. Eight, that's And then they were going to give me 2K in spending money to the store that they're, like, the brand. And I was like... I don't even think they're size inclusive, so what's that going to do for me? Just give me the 2K. But um, no, I tell, I tell them no, because that's ridiculous. And honestly, going to the desert during Coachella is like something you really have to prepare for. Yeah, mentally too. Mentally is really what I'm talking about. And for me, I'd just rather be in the house. Unless I got free tickets, then that's a different thing. Yeah, and that's but they don't really do that. I've I've actually gotten the VIP before I have because too. it's a, fun. A band was on my show, and they were like the second weekend they weren't using them, or they had extras, and yeah. that was cool because then I got, went. They were a bunch of DJs. Well, when we had our Coachella set. house, that's what happened to me, and you were you were missed out. But yeah, I was in the Himalayas. Yeah, and like uh, I ended up getting a wristband, like it was like an all access type thing, and it was like pretty fire. And a lot, a lot of times people sneak in too. I'm like blown away. It by that. No, it can happen. They just go through the forest. It can happen because people bum rush, and That's so true. like you can literally like like act like just wave your wrist, and nothing like is on your wrist, and you just like take off. You just go, you go, you go, and then your friends, you just swap. I mean, I'm not trying to plan nothing, you know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know from experience or anything. I just don't even have the effort to do that. Well, you're old. And These then, are young people then, doing this. And then, uh, and then even with that, I think, okay, what if they'll do something? The only time that works for me is when I'm drunk. Because I then I have this confidence. Yeah. Right? Liquid confidence. Okay. In myself. And I'll be like, yeah, hey. You know, th- those moments. Yeah. And then somehow that. you make it work. You know, you don't think about it when you have a little something, something in your system. Exactly. So I'm not sure. I was, I was going to maybe do a Coachella external party an external Coachella party right but I also I'm not sure anymore I mean if you use the word external maybe you shouldn't be going to Coachella (laughs) (laughs) this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive it works just the way it sounds You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 